Hi, this is Lauren Weiner, and you are on the Winning with Connection, the WWC podcast. We are here with Amy Martinez Monfort, who is a phenomenal business owner here in Tampa, who runs the Tampa Bay Laundry Company. I had been hearing stories about Amy, gosh, for probably six months, you know, just hearing these, these great stories from the contracting office about this really cool company that got a contract. And I was starting to use Tampa Bay Laundry Company as an example of all of the firms that we have here in Tampa who are not traditional government contracting firms and how cool this thing was. And then I actually got to see Amy at an event that she was speaking at and I was speaking at. And at the end, I grabbed her as she was coming off the stage and said, I've been using you as a uh, as an example of how to get into and break into government contracting, but I've never met you before. Now I get to meet you. So Amy's story is great. It's a really cool, neat way of coming from a commercial, uh, completely commercial space and figuring out how to break into government contracting. I don't want to steal her thunder, so I want to introduce Amy. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about your company and how you got yourself, first of all, into laundry, and then how you got yourself into government contracting? Absolutely. Thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate um, being with you today. This is this is a lot of fun, and it's it's a fun story to tell, and hopefully for others, it's inspiring to let them know that uh, you know, kind of demystify the government contracting process for people. So uh, my background, I was a lawyer, and I practiced law for about four years here in Tampa with Carlton Fields, and then I went to work for Lilly, the drug company. I worked with them for about 14 years, and uh, Lilly allowed us to take a sabbatical, and you could take it for anything. So we had some um, ailing family members. So I took a three-year sabbatical with Lily, and instead of just sitting around, I figured, well, I might as well open a business while I've got some time on my hands. So um, everybody always asks, how did you go from law to laundry? And uh, my simple answer is everyone generates laundry every single day, no matter your socioeconomic level. Um, and you always will. And I always joke, even nudists have to put on clothes to go into town. So um, <laughs> we really do have a very open market when it comes to laundry. So, um, anyway, so I started Tampa Laundry Company back in 2015. This week we will celebrate our five year anniversary. So that's, that's pretty exciting for us. And, um, we started as a, just a standalone self-service laundromat, wash, dry, fold, dry cleaning. And for those of you who you know, haven't been to a laundromat in a while, we, we look a little bit different. Um, we have no, no change, no coins. So really try to create a clean, safe environment for people to do their laundry. Again, as I say, no matter your socioeconomic level. So everyone feels comfortable and has the dignity of clean laundry. We are located in South Tampa, which is kind of a mix of an area between self-serve clients as well as people who come by for wash, dry, fold. Well, when we built our laundromat, we are on Gandhi Boulevard. And mm-hmm. when they started doing the construction on Gandhi, we realized, oh, goodness, we are going to need to find another revenue stream. So we started our laundromat back in 2015. And um, not long after we had purchased our location and opened our laundromat, they revived these plans to build an overpass over our location, um, which would connect St. Pete to the Tampa area. And what that was going to do is take basically 
basically our business and a lot of our customers right over the top of us. And so um, knowing that this process was going to take about four to five years, I said, we've got to diversify and find different revenue streams because we're going to lose business, one, from the disruption of the construction, and two, because once the construction's done, it will be taking many of our customers over our location. So we are fortunate. We are located just miles from McDill Air Force Base. We are very close to the base. And I happened to be looking on a um, on a website, and I saw that McDill Air Force Base was putting out a um, P- PWS for their linen and laundry services. Now, um, if you're not familiar with all the ins and outs of McDill Air Force Base, they have a 400-bedroom hotel, the maintenance wing, medical wing, U.S. Central Command, um, and various other facets there on the base that generate linen and laundry. So when I took a look at what they were looking to be done, it was, like I said, all of those things I just mentioned, all of those different types of linens. And I thought to myself, well, why not us? And again, picture it. You've got a, you've got a self-serve laundromat there. And I thought, well, gosh, this would be a great way to diversify. McDill is very close to us. We could use our facility in the evening. So I knew from our data that we did about 2.7% of our business between 10 at night and six at the morning, in the morning. So I said, well, gosh, we could shut down the laundromat from 10 at night till six in the morning, run the linens there. And make 24-hour use of our location. So um, then we had the hurdle of this is a government contract, and I had never done anything with government contracting before. So I said to myself, you know, this this it can't be rocket science. So I actually Googled how to respond to a government contract. I mean, literally sat at my computer. How do you respond to a government contract? And I always joke there were all kinds of people who wanted to sell me their advice. I'm quite certain there was one with like audio cassette tapes that I could purchase for a couple of thousand dollars to listen to, to tell me how I could respond to this. And I thought, gosh, this is so antiquated. I bet I can figure this out myself. So that's exactly what I did. I just started looking at different things on different websites of what needed to be done. I looked through all of the requirements for responding to this bid for McDill. And I just sat down and I just kept working and I just kept working and I just kept working. I reached out to the contracting office at the time that, you know, the point of contact that was listed on the bid. And I said to him, I said, listen, I was straightforward and honest. I said, I've never done anything like this before. I'd like to know if I can ask you some questions. If you can't answer them, just tell me you can't answer them. If you can, that would be great. I'm not trying to get a leg up. I just, I want to know what you can tell me about the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the best parts, just being honest, saying, hey, look, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here. Whatever help you can lend would be great. And so that was that was a big part of it. So I basically worked for a couple of months. So again, this was it was posted at the end of 2016. In 2017, I just sat down and worked day after day on the bid. And one thing that I knew from family who are in the military and um, you know working with the government is. If they ask for something, that's exactly what they want, and that's exactly how they want it, to the point where we had to submit three copies, three paper copies, hard copies of the proposal, which were about, uh, it was about a three-inch binder by the time I was done, and it was um, submit a disc with mm-hmm. everything on it. I called my husband. I said, 
do you guys even have a disc burner at your <laughs> office anymore? I mean, I don't even know where to find one of those, but I knew it had to be done exactly how they'd asked. So, um, you know, it launched into that process. And a uh, funny part of it was we, my husband and I were going to, it's called the clean show. It's the, the laundry conference that occurs every two years. So I said, and I said, when we go out there on the plane, it was out in Las Vegas. I said, we got a long flight. Would you mind taking a look at this bid that I've been putting together and, and just tell me your thoughts? So we get on the plane. I don't why I chose to carry a three inch binder all the way to <laughs> Las Vegas with me is it's still um, still a question. But anyway, I flop this binder out and I give it to him. His eyes are like saucers. He's like, is this what you've been working on all this time? I said, yeah. I said, listen, we we have a snowball's chance in hell of getting this, but I've put so much work into it at this point. Could you please just review it and tell me what you think? So um, so he said, sure. And he was like, I really I can't believe this. This is actually really good. You've, you've, you know, it's very complete. You've done a really nice job. I said, listen, again, I know I'm not going to get it, but I'm just going to put it in there uh, because I've spent too much time on this not to submit it at this point. So fast forward, we're at the clean show where I could be meeting with a bunch of people on things like laundry carts, all these linens, things I would need for this contract. I was convinced I wasn't going to get it. So I was just enjoying the conference. So this was the conference was in the middle of June and I submitted the bid when I got back. And then I heard from the contracting officer and he said to me, he said, Hey, I'd, I'd like to come out and meet you and, and ask you a few questions that I think was code for. We want to see who this person is, who we've never seen anything from before. So he came to our location on Gandhi. I think he thought he was being punked when he walked up to a saltwater <laughs> laundromat. And so there he and I sat and, and he was asking me questions about our capacity and whatnot. So at the time I had my black Honda Odyssey minivan and not long before that we had had that wrapped with the company logo and we called it the clean machine. And that's what we made all of our deliveries with. So there he and I sat in the laundromat and he said to me, he said, well, you know, this is a big contract, right? And if you get this contract, you're going to need to have a really big truck in order to carry these linens to and from the base. Do you, do you have one of those? And I looked over his shoulder and my shoulder to my black minivan sitting there and I didn't say yes. And I didn't say no. I said, we will, we will. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sure enough, fast forward. So he left and I thought, well, now we're really not getting it because he's, he's seen the location. And, um, but it was interesting because I thought, wow, we actually might have a chance because he's, you know, he's, he's listening to us. Mm -hmm. So then the following week, it was right about, uh, 4th of July time. And he called me up. I had just been down at the store. I had run back to uh, my office for a little bit and he called me and he said, Hey, I've got a a few more questions for you. Can you meet me down at the location? I said, sure, no problem. So I raced back and he, he came to me and he said, I don't have any more questions for you. He said, I just wanted to see your face when I told you you won the contract. Ah, and awesome. It was so awesome because I, I, you know, I don't think many people hear about their government contracts that way, but he knew that for me, this was a life changing experience. This was taking our business in an entirely different direction just a true game changer for us. And I'll never forget. I was sitting there and um, he said, do you have any questions? I said, 
I'm sure I do, but I don't even know what my name is right now. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to have to get back to you when I can think about this some more. So um, I actually called my husband and he said, you know, have you heard anything on the bid? And I said, no, I haven't heard anything yet. And it just so happened, I ran to the liquor store and I got a bottle of champagne. And when I came through the door, I met him with a bottle of champagne and I said, we won the bid. So, <laughs> um, life changing for sure. But hopefully it's a, it's a story for others to know that it can be done and there's no magic, but it is a lot of hard work. It's a ton of hard work. So I don't know if I've ever told you this or not. I actually heard the story from the contracting officer side before I met you. No. Um, we were in, I think it was the Tampa Bay Business Journal. There was a round table that we did that they ended up turning into a, um, a an article about government contracting in Tampa. And I had been invited with a couple of other uh, businesses here in Tampa and, you know, the SOCOM small business advisor and then the base contracting office had two people there and they told your story. And this is one of the ways that I had heard the story, but hearing it's funny hearing the, it from your perspective versus their perspective, they certainly understood that you were a small business that you hadn't done this before, but they were blown away by you. And to hear it from your perspective where you were kind of terrified the whole time and, and really not very confident in what you were doing, they sure thought you were. Um, and they sure thought you had all of it together and you were very able to to do this and, and capable of doing it. And they were really excited to bring someone new into the government contracting space, but that had already been doing it commercially. So regardless of whether or not you actually knew what you were doing at the time, they certainly felt like you did, which is kind of cool to listen to your side of the story now after hearing their side of the story. But you hadn't been doing, at that point, you hadn't been doing all of this commercially. I know now you have a large facility that is off site of the, of the Gandhi site and you do a lot commercially with hotels and hospitals and whatnot. This was actually your first foray into that. It wasn't government contracting actually got you into that or, or had you been doing that with other commercial entities before that? No, government contracting is what got us into that piece of it. And, you know, it's, it's like a lot of people say, you fake it till you make it. I don't know that I faked it, but it, you know, as much as I thought we weren't going to get it, I knew that we could do it. If that doesn't, it, it, you know, that, that may sound ironic, but I, I wouldn't have put ourselves out there if I didn't think that it was something that we could do, right. but it was nothing like we had ever done before. But I just thought to myself, I was like, why, why not us? Why can't right. we figure this out? So that's, and that's the attitude. And, and apparently now that's funny hearing the other side of it. Apparently that's what they felt. Like I said, it was when I looked over at the van and he said, you know, you need a big truck. Oh, do you have one? Uh-huh. And, and I, I, I talk about that. And if I talk to, to, to folks about it, just trying to instill that confidence, you know, don't lie. Don't say you have it when you don't. Right. Don't underestimate yourself either and say, no, we don't. Just say we will. We'll get there. Right. 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 And so you you it amazes me because, uh, you know, there is there are so many people out there who will teach you government contracting and this podcast clearly is about teaching people how to do government contracting, although we don't charge for it, which is different than the than the two thousand dollar audio tapes that you. <laughs> um, but it's hard. I mean, it's it's really complicated, 
And it's funny, the, the consistent theme I hear when I'm talking to business owners is, I just stopped and figured it out. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? And I just figured I'd, I'd figure it out as I went. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, I mean, very few laundry companies, I would assume, or very few laundromats or, or and I'm terrible at the, the terminology, obviously, here. I generate a lot of laundry. We generate a lot of laundry, but I don't know anything about the, the business. Um, but why do you think you were able to do that when so many wouldn't have even noticed that there was an opportunity there? I, yeah, I think it's this is not the saying unique to me, it's, it's someone else's, but I'll happily use it that a lot of people will go 98%. Very mm-hmm. few will go to hunt that extra 2% mm-hmm. and, um, to get to a hundred percent. And I, I feel like that is a lot of what the key is with government contracting. So no, it's not easy. Um, in the sense that I think it's very detail oriented, you know, it's, it's very specific, but I think that's an easy way to differentiate yourself in the sense of not everybody's willing to do that extra 2%. Not everybody's willing to do that extra work. And when you are, you can really reap the benefits. I mean, the government contract for us, like I said, life changing, game changing as far as the business is concerned. What did that mean for me? That meant a couple of months of, you know, tweaking and retweaking and, and figuring out timelines and, and doing research. But gosh, it was really worth it in the end. And, you know, we were actually, we were up against a very large national, perhaps international company who had had the contract before us, mm-hmm. which also added to my, well, you know, this is a snowball's chance in hell to get this. Right. And, um, you know, it, it, but when you look at it from the flip side, gosh, it's such a great opportunity for a small business to really make a name for itself, to really, you know, provide services to the government where others might just take it for granted. You know, somebody who, has been doing it forever, just thinks, well, of course I'm going to get this bid. And, and this goes for all different types of government contracting bids. You know, right. a lot of those folks may just put something together and they do the same thing that they've always done, but maybe something fresh goes across the contracting officer's mm-hmm. desk and, and and they say, well, gosh, well, I'd never heard of this laundry company before. Maybe we should give them a try. What I think is the differentiator when it comes to government contracting is Who's willing to really do the work? And um, you were talking about that Tampa Bay Business Journal article. They interviewed me for that. And the reporter was asking questions. And she said, well, isn't it really tough working with McDill? I said, no, it's it's not. It, they're great to work with. We, you know, right. we have a wonderful relationship with them. And kind of worded it a few different ways. And I said, <laughs> If what you're, if what you're trying to get at is that they're difficult to work with them, the answer is no. But I said, um, you know, when it comes to the government contracting process, it's not an easy process. And that's fine with me because that means there's less competition. If there's less people that are willing to do that extra 2%, I'm fine with that because I'll always outwork them. Right. Yeah. The barriers to entry are high. They're not insurmountable. It's no. just a whole lot of work. And a whole lot of being in your head against a wall. So if you're willing to do that, and I mean, you're the perfect example of it because you, I mean, granted, you have a law degree, which makes things different than someone who doesn't, obviously. Right. I mean, someone who doesn't have a law degree. But, you know, it, it really wasn't the law degree that got you there. It's the work you put in. It's yeah. the, I'll just figure this, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I think the other thing that strikes me about your story is the willingness to pick up the phone and say, hey, look, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Right. Can you help me? 
I don't know if you're allowed to help me, but can you help me as much as you can? Can you point me in the right direction? Whatever. And I think, you know, again, in hearing the contracting officer side of the story, it was, hey, there's a small business who can do this, which is huge in government contracting always. Right. There's a local business who can do this, which means that we are impacting the local Tampa economy in a way that going with that international firm who's done this forever would never do. And this is an opportunity for me to kind of bring someone along and really impact their business. And I think that was meaningful to them. Everyone wants to help. They're not allowed to sometimes, but they really want generally to help particularly small businesses who are good and willing to put in the work. And so I I think that that part of your story, when I heard it from multiple different perspectives, was one of the things that I think is really meaningful to other firms as they're there is ask for the help, get to a person, and again, put in the work. The biggest secret to government contracting is work harder than anyone else. Yes. Right? And we talk about this all the time. Amy and I have conversations from totally different business business kind of lines, how we manage this, how we lead this, you know, the frustrations of government contracting. Hey, do you know somebody who does this kind of stuff? Hey, you know, have you, and I, I got to send you an RFP the other day because one of my, my vice presidents laughingly said, Hey boss, you want to get into laundry services? And I was like, I don't, <laughs> but I know someone who does. He's like, of course, you know, someone who does, because I mean, that's the other thing that I think we're always doing. You do this as well, making connections and talking to people and asking people what they do so that you've got someone to turn to in a totally different industry when you need that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I was just going to add to that. I, I've always had the mantra that the smartest person in the room is the person who knows they're not the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. So I, I am always the first one. I try to figure things out myself as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But when I hit a roadblock, reach out to people, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to the contracting officer, be respectful, say, listen, I don't know what you can tell me, but these are my questions. Mm-hmm. And I've never found anyone that has shut me down when you ask respectfully and yep. you, you understand what their boundaries are, but heck the worst they can tell you is no. And, and who cares, you know, right. if, if, you know, hit a roadblock there, okay, well maybe you can find someone else. But I, I've, in all lines of my business and work and everything else, I've always felt very comfortable asking questions. And a lot of times people think, well, I don't want to ask a question because I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. What looks sillier if you ask a question or if you fall on your face because you didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather ask the questions. And that was very helpful in the government contracting process. And, you know, just creating those relationships with people, like people like, you know, the relationship that you and I have, or just the relationship with your contracting officer. So when you talk about CPARs or, you know, things like that, or if any issues arise, they know they've got someone that they can call. There's a relationship there. And I just think it creates such a great working atmosphere for, for my entire team, because we built that level of trust with McDill that they know if and when there's an issue. And a lot of times they give us the benefit of the doubt, like this happened, but we're sure, you know, you've gained that credibility. But I think it goes back to asking the questions, building those relationships. It's, it's very beneficial as far as the government contracting end of what we do. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. So most of the people I talk to really do government contracting as their 
pretty much their sole focus, right? There are a number of firms, particularly here in Tampa, who are government contracting firms. They stood up as government contracting firms. You're not that, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to interview you for this podcast. Um, But when you find now you're doing all sorts of commercial work, well, right now you're doing a whole lot less work because it's COVID and that's been, I know, really, really hard. But in a kind of pre-COVID times, when you were doing a whole lot of commercial work on, you know, in, in Orlando um, with the the resorts and the, the hotels, if I remember correctly, you're also doing some hospitals and hospital systems. What's the difference between government contracting and commercial, not personal, you know, the not the, the laundromat services, but the the larger contracts that you're doing with larger businesses instead of the government. What's good? What's bad about the the commercial versus the government world? Right, the government world, as far as our line of work, is great. It's very predictable. Uh, things such as payments. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when, when you're used to the government contracting end and you submit through the WAF portal or whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, payment is very cut and dry. In what I call the real world out there, which is those things mm-hmm. outside of government contracting, it's net 30, which turns into net 60, which turns into net 90, which turns into maybe we're not around anymore because COVID comes along. So now we're uncollectible. There's a certainty with the government contracting. Mm-hmm. There is an ease that comes with whether it be air and collections or just what it is they want and what their demand is, you know, as far as the hotel linens or U.S. Central Command with tablecloths and placemats and and things like that. So there's a predictability, I guess you'd say, with the government contracting end that isn't necessarily out in other commercial work that we do. It's been great. And for us in these COVID times, our work that we do with McDill Air Force Base is seen as an essential service. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we're able to continue serving them, whereas Lauren was alluding to so many of our customers on our commercial end are hotels and restaurants that have obviously been closed down for about the last two months. You know, when when they're not working and needing linens, we're not processing them. So it's been interesting to deal with, but it's been um, the government contracting piece for us has remained stable because they still need those services despite all that's going on right in the rest of the world. So right. um, I think that's been great. Another piece on the, the government contracting end is once you have a track record and once you're in the government contracting system and you have CPARS ratings and you have contracting officers that can say, yeah, Temple Laundry Company does a great job, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it really helps. And it helps not only in the government contracting world, but it also gives you a great uh, it lends you a lot of credibility when you go out to what I keep calling the real world or in the commercial space where they say, well, you know, we've never heard of you. Who do you do work for? Oh, well, we do all of the linens. We process all of the linens for McDill Air Force Base. Oh, okay. Right. Because they know we have to have certain security clearances in order to be on the base. We have to have a certain level of accuracy, a certain level of cleanliness, all mm-hmm. those things that are needed for the government contracting. So we've been able to um, kind of go use our government contracting to really lend credibility to our commercial business outside of our government contracting. That's awesome. That's amazing. So the, one of the things that I've seen, and we don't do any commercial work, um, but what I've, I've seen in talking to others who do or um, uh, kind of, you know, in, in thinking through 
how to do commercial work. The sales cycle is much shorter in the commercial world and much less structured and regimented. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it is maybe easier to do sales, which, you know, can be positive and negative, but it's easier to do sales in the commercial world. You don't have to go through the full sales cycle or RFP process in the commercial world. And it's much more based on relationships and not writing proposals, I would assume, in the in, at least in your industry. I, I think that would be true. But then, you know, another way to look at that is our contract with McDill is a five year contract. You know, once that's set, you've got that absent something going very wrong. Mm-hmm. You've got that business for five years yep. where with a lot of the folks out in the commercial world could be on someone's whim. It could be, well, this general manager likes this company, but this general manager that now comes in has been dealing with this other company right. for um, you know, for years. And so now they're going to bring in who they have the relationship with. So I agree that from a relationship standpoint, it's important both in the commercial and the government end. But I think when it comes to the sales cycle, for us at least, the sure bet of the five-year contract with the government and selling them once every five years or, you know, less when you look at the when they're going to put it out for a rebid. Sure. But that can be seen as more of a sure thing than in the commercial world where you're kind of always selling against some other competition. Mm-hmm. And the barriers to entry in the government, like we talked about uh, earlier, the barriers to entry actually once you've entered are really useful for you. So if you right. can figure out those barriers to entry and get yourself in there, particularly in a market that is not kind of traditional government service contracting, right? The, the, the people being provided to, uh, or at least what, what we do and what a lot of the, the firms that probably are listening to this do, um, those barriers to entry are there, but your barriers to entry, because that's not the space that you're looking at. So few firms are looking at that. If you figure out those barriers to entry, then you've got a, a kind of the world is your oyster within that space because there are so few firms that do it. Right. Right. You know, we've been able we have um, we have a contract with Camp Blanding. We process um, some of their items that they have. And a lot of the credibility for that came from having the the contract with McDill and it was, Oh, okay, well you do work for McDill. And then, you know, so when they have things that come up, Hey, we've got this that's come up or, you know, we're top of mind when it comes to Mm -hmm. these bids and other things that are, that are put out there. And that's, that's been huge for us because again, it's, it's, it's a, I'd say, I wouldn't say a longer sales cycle, but once you get the sale, you have it for much longer than you do in a regular commercial world. Right. Right. So, for the last kind of thought of the of the podcast, any specific words of advice? You've given quite a few words of advice, obviously. Any additional words of advice that you would give to someone who is looking at going from the commercial side into the government side? Um, any any thoughts? Any any final words? Okay. Don't be afraid to do it. I think it's just it's so important. Take the time. Um, if you think that you don't have time to do it, carve out that time, prove to yourself that, okay, this isn't for you, but definitely kick the tires on it. Um, 
I think that so many opportunities in life people shy away from because of the work that's involved. And I know we've touched on that multiple times, but if you're willing to do the work, the, the, you can definitely reap the rewards and the benefits are there. So, you know, take it from someone like me who had zero background in government contracting, didn't know what she was doing, literally Googled it. Um, ask the right questions, found the right people and put something together, you know, a, a three inch binder. It's not impossible if you're willing to do the work. Um, if you're not, there's no problem with that. There's, I'm sure there's many other areas of business that would be great for you and that you can expand your business in. Um, but if, if you're willing to put the time and, and dedicate the, the resources to it, it can it can really be game changing for your business. So I would just encourage anyone who's even considering it, kick the tires on it. Find even a small bid. Find something that find something that you you know that, that might be a smaller contract. And that was another thing I thought to myself. And I said when we did the the bid, I said, you know what, this is huge. Chances that we're going to get this are extremely small. But if I can, what, what my thought was is I can go back to them and I can ask and say, can you tell me what we can do next time? So that's, that's really how I looked at it. And I, I encourage others to do the same. If you look at a bid and you think, well, maybe we're not going to get this one, do it anyway. And then ask to speak to the contracting officer, mm-hmm. ask them, Hey, next time, what should I do differently? What, what would have bettered our chances or, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll tell you what they can tell you, but go through the process. I think it's, you know, you might just surprise yourself. That's awesome. Amy, I love talking to you every time. I just, we have so much fun going through this stuff from different, totally different business perspectives, but coming to a lot of the same conclusions. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, and good luck with the next bit and good luck getting through this. You are so welcome. And I always love talking to you too, Lauren, and to all your listeners. You know, she gives such wonderful advice. She's a, <laughs> she's a great friend and a great resource for everyone. So I'm um, just podcasts like these are so helpful for those, uh, those of us in this government contracting world, just to kind of demystify the process. So thank you, Lauren, for what you're doing for others. Thanks, Amy.